We acknowledge the traditional owners of this land, the Turrbal and Yagara people, and their elders past, present and emerging. Sovereignty was never ceded and flood media is recorded on stolen land. Okay, so welcome to another floodcast. Uh, I think we might have um, we might have uh, mentioned on our last episode that we wanted to do this show, and uh, we've made it happen. Um, I'm here with uh, Paul, a former Greens staffer, and um, Joe, who is a former Greens candidate and also has a podcast of her own called Chronically Fully Sick, and my co-host Matt, um, and we're going to discuss. Something that's, I think, close to all of our hearts, um, which we did touch on in our last episode as well, uh, which is the increasingly common and fe- common phenomenon of uh, political dirt units combing through um, people's social media, particularly young people's social media, and um, taking posts, either old posts or ironic posts, way out of context um, as a kind of, I guess, a part of a smear campaign and using it to kind of um, discredit the party that, that these people are, asso- are associated with. As many of our listeners know, this happened to me recently uh, in what we've been calling Mean Girls Gate. Um, don't think I need to go like further into that too much, but um, suffice to say, I posted a tweet uh, using, a, using a quote from Mean Girls to make an ironic point about the tone of a certain former deputy premier, which was then twisted way out of context uh, and used to, you know, imply that I was calling her things I just wasn't. Um, and to, to um, I guess, smear the broader South Brisbane Greens campaign, unsuccessfully as it turned out, but there was still a whole experience. Um, and it's an experience that's, yeah, increasingly common, as I said, and uh, which I don't think is going to go away anytime soon. So we thought we'd do a sort of broader show on, on that, uh, what it's like to be on the other side of one of these um targeted smear campaigns, um, why this kind of thing matters for left-wing politics in particular, um, and then like kind of what we can do about it or what the response should be when these things happen. So um, yeah, I'll probably start by asking both Joe and Paul to talk a little bit about what their own experiences were. So um, Paul, would you like to start? Yeah, sure. Um, so I was uh, working for Lydia Thorpe, who at the time was a state MP uh, for Northcote. Um, and I had some of my tweets. Um, I don't know. I, uh, one of It was just during the, um, the 2018 state election. Um, one of the Labor campaigns, um, campaigners, got a hold of a bunch of my tweets um, and was kind of shipping, uh, sh- shopping them around to uh, various media outlets um, in Victoria. Um, yeah, just had some shit posts, like some pretty, I don't know, I'm a pretty loose poster, so there was a lot of colourful language in there, but also just um, a lot of things that were pretty clearly um, intended uh, ironically, so kind of in the opposite way to the way that they were framed. Um, eventually, the Herald Sun, I, I, you know, the Age and ABC, I believe, um, passed on those passed on those tweets, but but the Herald Sun picked them up and published them, um, you know, with a bit of an article. Um, 
so that, that ended up on the front page of the Herald Sun. Um, I was subsequently, uh, um, I subsequently resigned from the party and, um, or from, from my job. And I don't know, it was pretty tough. Um, they made me look pretty bad. Um, and I didn't, uh, it really hurt like mentally. So I ended up, um, I ended up in the emergency room. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really know. <laughs> um, yeah. it was, yeah, it was kind of a pretty difficult experience. Yeah. Cause it was a whole thing. Like, I think your, your thing really blew up. Um, I remember that even at the time, um, cause it was published by the Herald Sun, but then kind of became a, a bit of a rolling news story. Um, it would have been, yeah, really tough to be in a public eye like that. Yeah, um, I, I wasn't really given the opportunity to give any context to those tweets or really explain them in any way. They, and um, the party asked me not to comment um, and uh, yeah, either through the media or through my own social media. So I kind of didn't really get the opportunity to um, contextualise that stuff or um, talk about my experience of how that worked. So. Yeah. And I think like for me that like my, for my own experience, that was one of the more frustrating and difficult parts of it was like, you know, I did eventually comment on it publicly, um, which is good. But during the few days when I wasn't um, just like, yeah, watching it spiral online and just thinking like, this isn't, you know, what you're saying is not true, but I can't defend myself almost like you you're forced into this very powerless position. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know that I found that the, the Vic Green's media strategy in that in that election it tended to be quite, quite reactive. It didn't didn't really, um, I don't know, defensive or reactive or something whereby um, all the party's actions seem to follow on from um, generally the ALP's attacks. Um, and um, yeah, look, I, I was I was pretty disappointed in how in how that was all handled and, and yeah. I've since, I, I quit the party at the end of that election and, um, you know, still with a pretty sour taste in my mouth, I think. Yeah, fair enough. Um, Joe, would you like to um, chat a bit about your experience? Yeah, sure. Um, thanks for having me on. Um, it's uh, something that is still quite difficult to talk about um, and I try and find the humor in it as well. Um, <laughs> Cause if you can't laugh, what can you do? I suppose. But um, I'll just sort of go through with what happened to me. Um, my, my situation was a little different from Paul's. Um, I was a secondary candidate, which is kind of like a down ballot sort of candidate um, in Northern Metro for the legislative council behind Samantha Ratnam. Uh, basically, I was doing that to get better at public speaking, learn a bit, understand what politics was about. Um, I had been volunteering for the party um, as the head of the uh, women's group for a while um, because I really wanted to stand up for the rights of trans people and sex workers in the party specifically because I saw at the time a lot of problematic let's say candidates and certain elements of the party 
um, that I wasn't pleased with. So I decided I wanted to go in and change that. And alongside that, I thought, well, okay, this would be a good learning um, experience for me because I had no chance of winning a seat, basically. Um, so I got put on the front of Herald Sun uh, and I've actually got it framed uh, in front of me. And it <laughs> says, well, I got presented um, it by um, my friends in the party and I could only really get it and accept it from them probably about six months later without having a panic attack. Um, but it says caught green-handed and there's a big picture of my election picture and I look pretty good in it, I have to say. Um, yeah, it's a good picture. <laughs> thank you. I photoshopped it as well before I put it out. Um, first election scandal. Um, and yeah, it was the same uh, um, a little bit previous, I think, to Paul. Um, I had gone in a private women's group a number of years previous, um, to this. I, I actually wasn't even aware that it was around anymore. Um, and was just honestly just talking shit about, um, you know, going to work, smelling like weed, shoplifting, just carrying on. It was a group called Bad Girls Club and everything that you need to know is in that title really. Um just trying to one-up each other and being ridiculous. Um, I didn't even smoke weed at the time. I don't know what that was about. But anyway, it's so long ago, I can't <laughs> even really remember. Um, so that got fished out by someone, um, and I do know who it is, um, and I hope that, I don't know, the world's karmic forces take revenge on this person, but I feel, having known her, that, you know, life has punked her enough already. Um, but <laughs> that actually got splashed completely across the world, even to the Daily Mail, um, all of that kind of stuff. Really? I didn't know that. That's wild. <laughs> it's really, really, really wild. Um, to, uh, across every media outlet you could possibly think of. Um, fortunately, it didn't reach my parents and still hasn't, um, which I'm grateful for because the number one thing with this is I didn't want to put them through it um, and I still don't. Um, I got offered to go on the project and talk about it and because I'm smart, I knew that there would be a conservative radio show host on that night and I told them to fuck off. Um, <laughs> I went on Triple J um, and talked about it because I sort of took a reactive um, approach to it and said, well, I'm going to seize my own narrative and decided I, because I have a journalist background uh, and public relations actually, believe it or not, and um, went and talked about it on Triple J Hack and wrote an article for The Guardian, um, which uh, that's a whole other thing. But um, yeah, I mean, I had Sean McAuliffe making fun of me on Mad as Hell. Um, <laughs> and then uh, after that, um, it just kind of carried on. I had, I made a tweet about after the Christchurch shooting, how irresponsible um, the media is and that anyone working for News Corp should get egged or something and had 2GB try, try and call me and get me on the show and had Alan Jones on the Bolt Report um, 
imprinting my response to their producer, which was, you should quit your job and then egg yourself. Um, <laughs> we endorse this response. <laughs> so, yeah, it did go on and on and on. Um, uh, the, I had no idea it would be front page. Um, I stepped down primarily because of my family um, and also because I was running in support of Samantha Ratnam and she had a really good chance of winning and I didn't want to detract from the campaign of a really good politician and specifically a, um, a migrant and woman of colour. So that's the reason I stepped down. Otherwise, I probably might have gone on the attack a bit more. Yeah, no, fair enough. And I think like what is chilling to me, well, all of these stories are chilling, I think, um, in the aspect of someone like going through and, and feeding your posts to the media but it's especially chilling when they're posts from years ago because I don't even want to think about some of the dank shit I posted, you know, four, five, six years ago and well, know that's still it's floating come around. Out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> some of my posts they picked up were ten years old. I don't know if they'd um, searched with using using swear words or something like that, but geez, they found some really old stuff. Mm. Yeah. And I just wanna to say too, I saw that in the Queensland election because me and Paul talk quite a bit because I think this happened to us at the same time and we, I, you can't really understand until it's happened to you. Um, uh, we were kind of like watching the Brisbane election and after Mean Girls Gate happened, we were kind of watching going, okay, are they going to dig us up again? And sure enough, they did. Um, I saw that, I, you'll have to forgive me, I can't remember the candidate, but they had commented on a post about what had happened to me and then attributed my comments to her. So essentially the Korean oh, Mail It were, was Patsy, yes, I remember this. Yes, yes, yes. And I said something which was not a very good thing to say, but it's probably seven years ago now. Mm -hmm. And they, and then yeah, they dragged up a story that was two years old of about a post that was another five years older than that. Anyway. Yeah, that's the thing about these these um, hit jobs. I feel like they're actually just getting more and more tenuous. Like, oh my God. I mean, the Patsy one was, was really just out there. Like, I think, I mean, trying to explain it even is quite difficult because it's so convoluted. So, I know. Uh, but yeah, essentially like a comment in a closed Facebook group that she was <laughs> quoting, so, like she wasn't even saying it herself. And it was so obviously like, okay, maybe a bit off color, not something that should be splashed through the media. Um, but it's just like reaching and reaching and reaching. And one thing, yeah, that I felt about my own <laughs> personal <laughs> drama was like, I'm not even a candidate. I'd rather eat glass than be a candidate. I'm not even, and I'm not a staffer either. I've never been paid a cent by the Greens. Literally, the only thing you can find about me is that I'm a branch secretary, this incredibly lowly Ooh. volunteer role <laughs> that I took on because no one, like, pe people become branch secretaries as a favor to the party. Like, oh, like, I was um, a branch, I, I was a, oh no, I was worse. Yeah, but no, it's the, it's the most lowly of all. Like, yeah, yeah. you're just taking notes. You're literally taking minutes. Um, but yeah, my my um, betonoir Terry Butler was so one of like the the angriest person online um, has been Terry Butler, and um, context there is that my partner Max ran against her in the last uh, federal election in Griffith and got a oh. really big swing. Um, he got the biggest sw green swing in the country, and her vote went backwards. So essentially, 
her seat is no longer safe thanks to the Greens campaign in Inner Brisbane. So, but she was tweeting like, I was a branch secretary and, you know, it's not just taking minutes. It's actually a very important role. <laughs> like in no universe is it an important role, Terry. I'm People sorry. People should apologise to Jackie Trad. And, and, and it just, I, I think her, her kind of the way she used that politically and the way she tried to weave in all of this stuff about misogyny and the, the tenor of our public discourse with regards to women was so um, cynical, yeah? Um, and she had Van Badham, cursed woman, chiming in and making it look like that you, that you somehow, Joe, were calling um, Jackie Trad a bitch, but she didn't actually say that. Or whatever it was, the mean girls actually, thing. Well, actually, um, they also, I mean, they brought out all the heavy hitters for this one. They also had Dee Madigan. Um, and I've got the screenshot here. I'm not sure if she's deleted the tweet, but um, it's saved forever on my computer. And she says something like, when will, she says, when will the Greens branch secretary apologize for calling Jackie Trout a slut? And it's like, but that never happened. Like, even if you're reading the tweet in the most disingenuous way, it does not call Jackie Trout anything. Um, it's such, it's this, Complete pearl clutching faux moral outrage, and they yes. know exactly what they're doing. They know exactly what they're doing. Well, it's also just... this question of what is the what is the actual political message? Like, what are they trying to communicate? We're bad at the internet. It's all they want to say. The only message they have is the Greens are bad. That's mm. that's the yeah. entire substance of it. That's what interests me because if you think about how this is built into a campaign strategy. The first thing you will notice is that Jackie Trent, of course, lost her election. So, and I we, I don't think that Mean Girls Gate like won them a single vote or seemed to change the narrative in any way. The only thing it's done is it seems to have created a narrative among uh, like Labour faithful, like people active within the South Brisbane Labour Party, that the Greens like played dirty tricks and like... Um, ran this dirty campaign but because it's purely a, a twitter event it doesn't actually achieve cut through to like the general population especially in a local election like maybe this twitter stuff has more reach and can affect narratives more in like a bigger campaign but in a very local election which is all just where it's being fought is on the door and in the street it's like what is the point there is no point there is no point it's just showing your ass because you don't understand how Twitter works. And as if the Greens have the time, capacity or money to run a smear campaign on fucking anyone. The Greens need people to go and door knock. They don't have time to go and dream up ridiculous social media posts or comb through people's Twitter. It's just ridiculous. Um, and it's not it's not a political strategy either. I think the majority of people that's that are either going to vote Green or vote Labor in South Brisbane looked at that article in the newspaper and thought, well, this is fucking ridiculous. They don't understand Mean Girls. This is way, way, way out of hand. Way t extremely tone deaf for the area, and probably pushed their vote over to Amy. To be honest. I think so that's interesting and it's something that I've thought about a lot too like whether this changed anyone's vote and obviously like that's something I that think I it was... did looking at it from 
sorry to cut you off, but looking no, no. at it from Melbourne, and I am from Brisbane originally, I commented on it several times and was saying, this is a grubby campaign. I can see what they're doing. This was done, it's just them trying to repeat the 2018 Victorian election, and I can see it a mile off, and they they deserve to lose this seat because mm. it's it's grubby, it's completely brainless, and it's lazy. Yeah, but I think, like, for me, and I, yeah, I still don't know whether it, it actually pushed anyone into voting, like, against voting for us, and, and what I tend to think on on good days is that you know there's a group of people out there mostly like middle class older people um who sort of like they feel that they should be voting for the greens maybe especially in an electorate like south brisbane that swung so far to the greens in recent years but they don't want to and they're looking for an excuse and i think like these kinds of things give them that excuse um but I, what really struck me was that there was like such a huge generational divide in the responses to this. So um, this was like shared um, when it really started to take off online, like the Mean Girls Gate stuff um, it was shared by Byron Bay Labor. Uh, and I went and like probably shouldn't have done this, but I did read the comments on that post. And literally every second comment was like, she should be arrested. She should be charged. <laughs> I was like, for what? A post? Like. <laughs> Oh, in, in all fairness, like you should be in jail. Yeah, well, according to these people, I should be put in prison for posting crimes. Yeah. Um, but I think they were mostly, it, it did seem like mostly boomers. Um, and we also got like emails from angry angry boomers who were like, that word should never be used no matter what. Which I was like, um, yeah, okay. Like in that case, I guess you have to be angry with Tina Fey and all the other writers of Mean Girls as well. Um but yeah, I, I am I, angry with Tina Fey. <laughs> true, but not for that reason. <laughs> um, but most young people were just like, "No, piss off! This is dumb." You can you see can in see these boomer responses, responses them yeah. talking themselves into it because they know on some level that if they were being honest with themselves, they'd have to say, "Okay, no, this is kind of bullshit." Um, and you can see them kind of uh, navigating it around them navigating around it in their heads i think it is that thing of like they want an excuse to not vote for the greens so they have to tell themselves no no even if it's just a quote you shall still should just never say the word ever and like finding reasons that they're almost being more angry precisely because they have to actually perform and go over the top with this anger to disguise the fact that it's actually not justified at all. Like the the flimsiness of the justification actually produces a stronger reaction, perhaps. I was just, um, I'm just interested in this as a, as a tactic. Um, and I, I mean, my reaction when your stuff, Joe, second Joe, uh, Brisbane Joe, happened <laughs> yeah. was, is this actually about dissuading is, is this like a psychological thing? Is this about um, discouraging people from, from being part of the Greens? If they're young, if they're politically engaged, if they're involved in online culture, is this, some, is this a signal to them to say, don't do it, don't get involved, we'll go through your posts, you'll regret it? But wouldn't, wouldn't that be, that's a really good point, but like, yeah, I think it can be read as that, but also... It is a big signal to young people and like non 
American psycho type of people <laughs> um, to not get involved in politics in general. So because even if you're a young Labour person and you want to run, you see these this muckraking journalism and you go, well, I shouldn't run either. So they're, they're kind of shooting the future of their party in the foot by doing it to an extent. But yeah, to your point, Paul, I, I do think that that is a, a very big part of it for sure. And I think the other part of it in terms of like what's the strategy is the strategy was to undermine um, the campaign and to cause um, internal dissent, basically. Uh, and Paul, maybe you can comment on this. Um, I don't know if this is true or like what the story is here, but um, Max, my partner, mentioned to me like while this was going on that when your stuff happened, Paul, um, they found through exit polling or something afterwards, they found it didn't actually change very many people's votes um, in terms of the actual um, in terms of the actual election, but what it did do was um, really um, cause like bad internal dynamics within uh, Lydia Thorpe's campaign and within the party. And so I think that is the other, that's the substantive part of this as a strategy is to, um, yeah, like hopefully get the campaign to throw the, the person under the bus and cause a lot of bad feeling and make other volunteers feel bad. And then, you know, like just generally sow dissension within the ranks. Yeah, look, I mean, I can't really comment on what, what um, went on in the campaign after that happened. I mean, I, w I was in Eltham Hospital and I'd completely disconnected from e everything and everyone. Like, I, I mean, I'm kind of conscious that um, my reaction to this is probably not the reaction that everyone would have. Um, I'm, I'm a bit, bit of a fragile guy in a lot of ways and, and this really hit me like a sack of shit. So um, I didn't see a lot of that go on, but I did note that a lot of my friends in the party completely disappeared um so yeah look i'm sure that that there was a um there were debates within the branch and within the campaign about how to play it and within within you know how it was played um i can see that happening like, i do really think that this tactic is mainly about playing playing the man um as in playing like um causing a reaction in the campaign and 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 causing psychological harm on on the campaigners behalf i don't know if it's necessarily about voters it's definitely a bullying tactic there's a heavy element of psychological cruelty to it i was just thinking like to some extent i don't know if it dissuades young labor it dissuades all the the better people in young labor there's a lot of people who see this happening and think oh an opportunity to cause pain Gee, that's why I went into politics. Um, and yeah, like I agree, it's definitely, um, it's a bullying tactic. It's designed to sow dissent in the party. It's designed to prey on guilt and on, um, yeah, people's uh, vulnerability and a sense of genuine confusion that I think now, like we've kind of worked out better strategies to deal with it now. I was pretty happy with how the South Brisbane campaign handled it. Um, and it is perhaps important to say, yeah, like what you do is you you can't apologize for this stuff because that'll show weakness and that admits that you've done something wrong when in fact you've done nothing wrong. And if you stand down to a bully like this, they just grow stronger. Yeah, I mean, I think like, that's one of the most frustrating and um, 
adding almost adding insult to injury one of the parts of this whole experience was being called a bully or saying that I had bullied or smeared Jackie Trad when exactly in fact the exact opposite was happening like they were running a smear campaign against us they were bullying me like Kate Jones um, a former minister uh, went on the radio and said I should resign like I was like what the hell I'm just a lowly volunteer leave me alone um, but yeah it's that complete like almost Orwellian experience of being like why are you such a bully stop bullying um, the thing is we know politics is grubby right but this is like a next level type of thing. Paul has has sort of gone through how it affected him. And, you know, you've called yourself a really fragile person, Paul. And I, I, I think you're being a bit too rough on yourself there because it's extremely destructive and distressing. Um, I remember just, it came out, I was getting all, I had to try and work when this was going on. I took Valium f until I couldn't talk for probably three days straight. And then I thought, well, okay, I've got to take care of this. Stopped taking it and probably vomited for a whole day from the anxiety and the pressure. Um, just things like going down to the corner store to try and, you know, buy some food or something and seeing my face when I pay and having everyone look at me because they, they recognize me and having to go, I, I wouldn't steal anything from your shop. Like, you know, and they're like, we know, and having them throw it in the bin in front of me, which was pretty cool. But I've had to go through years of therapy because of this. Like, and they got one, one day in the news out of it and it could very well have ruined my entire life. I've had to change my name to be able to get a job. You know, it's it, it just, just, and I couldn't even have won a seat. I could, it, it was just pointless. It's pointless. Like it did nothing. You know, Samantha Ratnam still won her seat. I, and Harold's son got what? And if you look at the, the front page of the paper that day, there is a story about a man that murdered his family um, in Australia, in New South Wales, maybe that day. And this is what they decided to put on the front page. I, I will have to deal this for, with this for the rest of my life. You Google my name and it's horrendous, horrendous. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I know exactly what you're saying. I mean, I'm... I know, baby. <laughs> I, I, I haven't changed my name I, and I kind of gave up on getting a job in my field. Um, I, you know, I've been a labourer now, which is, you know, it's great, but it, it's not it's not what I'm trained to do. It's not what I'm good at. Um, you know, I, I had to move suburbs to, because I just, I just couldn't handle running into people I knew, even people in the party. I would hide in the supermarket aisles so people wouldn't recognise me, you know. Um, Obviously, I'm in regular therapy and all the rest of it. Um, I, I don't know if I'll ever fully recover from it. Um, I think part of what was so painful about what I experienced was that I didn't have the support of the party. So when I saw um, what happened in South Brisbane, it was it was amazing. Like, I was so touched. Um, I think Amy wrote a post talking about um, how the party was going to stand behind Joe. 
and um, it was so beautiful. She mentioned my experience, and um, I just felt so grateful. Um, I think that that's a that's a really significant thing psychologically for someone who goes through this to know that um, that you're supported and that people believe you and that people trust that you're a good person. Yeah, I mean, talking from my own experience, I think that definitely made all the difference. Like, um, definitely, definitely. Uh, there were certainly days, like, even after the initial sort of storm had passed when, you know, I think it was in the media for three to four days in total and then everyone lost interest. Um, but, of course, it was dredged up again and again um, in all kinds of stupid online fights when people wanted to go after the Greens. Um, and then, like, then even a week later, like, we just got an email um, to the branch email address um, from someone who is like, I'm a green supporter, but I just think blah, 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 blah. Um, and effectively saying, uh, I, from what I can tell in my conversations with undecided voters, the Greens have lost a lot of votes over this. And that like just made me feel like absolute shit. Um, and I think, I don't know, I think this person was genuine. I think they were trying to help. Um, they hadn't seen Amy's response. So maybe that explains why they still like they didn't realize the full story. Um, but yeah, like there were definitely days where I was like, have I uh, single-handedly tanked the entire Queensland Green State election campaign? Because then other, you know, other things that happened were like in one of the other seats, um, Cooper, uh, the Labor Party started threatening to, um, to run an open ticket, not to preference the Greens in Cooper because of my tweet. Like they were literally saying that. Um, because of the sexist comments made by branch secretary, you know, we cannot preference the Greens in the seat, which would have been a really fucking big deal because we were, you know, hoping to at least win, hoping to either win Cooper or, or come really close. Um, so getting Labor preferences was kind of crucial. In the end, it turned out they were bluffing, but I think that was probably the low point where I was like, oh my God, <laughs> like all of these people have been working from years and years and years um, trying to get like this campaign um, off the ground and like trying to make the Greens a successful political presence in Queensland and I've tanked it because of one stupid post. Um, but, you know, that didn't end up being the case, thankfully. Uh, and, yeah, it was very, very good to have the support of people around me. And also I think it was really important for the other volunteers. Like um, a couple of weeks after this all went down, one of our other volunteers on South Brisbane just like uh, mentioned to me just as an aside like, oh, when I read Amy's post, I just felt so good about myself. Like I just felt so empowered. Um, I think he even used that word. It was so empowering. Um, and so, yeah, that definitely the strategy we took paid off in the end. Um, but I think like, yeah, for the other volunteers, it was, it was also really good to see someone, um, you know, stepping up basically for a volunteer. And one of the kind of <laughs> funnier moments was um, after Amy made her post, basically, you know, saying that she would support me um, and would not be like, you know, and, and calling it out for the bullying campaign that it was. Um, Terry Butler went predictably wild um, in many various online formats. And someone shared um, a, a screenshot of basically one of uh, her volunteers, like a Labour volunteer, saying like, oh, Terry, you know, aren't you being a bit harsh? Like, um, you know, I'd like to think that if one of your volunteers uh, had something similar happen that you would stand by them too. And Terry just goes, no, absolutely not. Like basically like I would throw you under the bus immediately. Oh my God. <laughs> so I just can't imagine what that would be like. I mean, that, that's chilling stuff. 
She mm. was so off, off her chops about that, though. Like, she was really on one. I, it was I don't really know. embarrassing. Yeah, yeah, no, super online. And she, you know, she still is. I, I, I know she went on Insiders and brought up this tweet of mine. I wouldn't be surprised if she just keeps going on about it until the federal election. <laughs> she absolutely will. Get yeah, alive. Like, well, she's trying to build a narrative about her, around how Max is sexist. You know, and it, like, I think, an, you know, an important point to make clear here is that, like, it, you know, none of this was your fault because there was nothing wrong with the tweet and there still isn't. And you could make that tweet again tomorrow and there would still be nothing wrong with it. Although, like, don't, but you could. <laughs> I could. Um, don't. I could <laughs> um, but to that, Joe, like, I, I, when I saw this happening and I, I sort of tweeted at your um, statement on it because I was genuinely worried for your well-being um, and I have reached out to other people that this has happened to because it's I don't think people understand how distressing and impactful it is and I was really happy to and I am happy to hear that um the Greens and Queensland sort of in Brisbane um stood by you and had your back because they certainly did not for me um in Victoria yeah Um, do you want to talk a bit more about that um basically uh, the journalist called me while I was at work and sa- and said we found these Facebook posts and I'm like oh what what are they what what do you mean like I had no idea what he was talking about um, and just said is this you is this you and I'm I could feel you know my heart drop out of my butt um, and <laughs> uh, it was the worst feeling in the world. Um, and I sort of told him to find an actual news story uh, and then hung up the phone um, and sat there. And then I remember calling um, calling the office and they're like, yeah, we know. And I'm like, well, wh- when were you going to call me and, and talk to me about this? And they're like, we're, we're just trying to figure it out now. Um, you, so in terms of the deadline, you've probably got about 20 minutes to decide what you want to do and what you want to say. We would advise you to stand down. Wow. And I was just like, I'd, anyone at five o'clock in the afternoon, given that I, I didn't know what else to do. And personally, I'm not the cleanest person in the entire world. Like I've done a lot of gnarly shit in my life and I was afraid of what else they'd dig up you know um and so I stepped down and um you know the platitudes were kind of there I had some kind I had a good group of people that still supported me because um I went into bat for um the queer greens and you know the sex workers in the party a lot um so those were the people that had my back um and no one else did really um there's a couple of people i could mention and a couple of people that are still high up in actual federal politics um and the party um that called me personally um but i i won't go into who that is but certainly the structure of the victorian greens did not have my back whatsoever. They were terrible at media strategy. Um, And yeah, I can't say enough 
shitty bad things about the way that they handled that and my well-being and Paul's well-being and I'm still really angry about it and angry for him as well. Yeah, I look thanks Joe and I'm I I I um I'm not sure if the party learned um like if the party nationwide learned from their experience in Victoria or if this is a particularly Victorian Greens issue that the Queensland Greens don't have because they understand some fundamental things um, and, um, you know, they have a different uh, mode of operations when it comes to how they go They're about... They're actually more progressive, Paul. Yeah, well, you said it. <laughs> yeah, in terms of, I think, the Queensland Greens, I think there's a bit of a political difference. I think, like, it's not just a question of strategy, but a question of having a a slightly different politics and a less one that's less about individual responsibility and is more um, like it's possible to be anti-racist and anti-sexist and so on without seeing these as uh, the responsibility of the individual and without playing this game of like to the only way to defeat those things is to um, achieve some kind of moral perfection within yourself and then the way to do that is to a constantly be running struggle sessions and chasing each other up about like these little slip-ups and you can say that like look we know that human beings in general are not morally perfectible and like never will be and actually that's okay we don't expect that from people we address these things we address racism and sexism and so on uh, collectively in a way that's empowering for everyone um and yeah that doesn't entail um, making it a matter of individual guilt or innocence. I think also in Victoria, and I don't want to, I don't want this to be, you know, me just ragging on the Vic Greens because I could be here forever, and it's not really fair. Do it. But um, there is, I think, in Victoria, um, a much more professional um, uh, focus on on uh, yeah, a prof- I guess a professional image. Um, and projecting a very kind of white, middle-class, um, white-collar um, image of acceptability that might not actually be there so much in Queensland. I see Queensland Greens as much more of a sort of an underdog, um, I guess, communitarian type type of um, having that kind of outlook. I think that's Queenslanders in general, to be honest. Yeah, I think, um, I, I think that's pretty correct, Paul, but that's also been a conscious political choice taken by the Queensland Greens um, in that we, well, I can't talk for the entire party, but my um, perspective is that we would prefer to actually avoid the kind of like the trope of, um, you know, the middle class environmental lawyer Greens, uh, which I think, you know, is quite present in the tree Tories. Yeah, Go tree on, Tories. You can say it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I actually the, the word actually wasn't in my mind, but you <laughs> it popped in. It's perfect. Um, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. And part of that I think is um trying to build something resembling an actual like I wouldn't say mass movement. Obviously, we're still pretty far off that. And as a sort of electoral party operating within a Western liberal democracy, it's probably a little bit um, hubristic to say we're trying to be a mass movement, but essentially, I guess, trying to um, include people from a broader broader walks of life than the Greens have typically done. So, um, and trying a lot of that on the ground has translated to trying to include young people and trying to make a lot of our candidates young people. Um, 
a lot about organizers, young people, and um, that means that, you know, you're going to have people who post, like <laughs> you're going to have people who've pretty much grown up online. So I think in a way, this sort of thing was always going to happen um, in the Queensland Greens. It's And it's the first time it's happened. Um, and part of that is because we haven't been seen as a political threat until basically a couple of years ago. Uh, so I think, yeah, those, those two things combined to make this in a way inevitable. But I've said this before, I think like one of the silver linings of Mean Girls Kate um, is that I hope it can serve as a model for sort of what the, you know, that for the fact that you don't have to throw people under the bus when this happens, that you can actually reclaim the narrative a bit. Um, and in a way it was quite an exciting moment to sort of put this new politics to the test uh, and sort of see like, all right, if we try this, like how will it work? Um, and it worked in the end pretty well. Uh, so I think, yeah, I guess if other if Greens people are listening or other left-wing people are, are listening, yeah, that's the lesson I, I would hope that we can take from this. Yeah, I, um, I'm no longer a party member either. Um, I think too what you're saying as well is part of the problem with some branches of the Greens, right, is that environment and environmental causes are and the old sort of i might be totally off the 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 mark here but the old sort of bob brown forest way of doing things whilst obviously the environment is important that's not the only thing that the party does um and to consider the Greens as being a party with one um, uh, issue is a mistake. Uh, and that is unfortunately what many of the members of the Victorian Greens are like. It's a single issue party for them because unfortunately a lot of the time at the moment, whilst yes, our planet is burning, that's incredibly fucked up. There are people that cannot pay the rent. They can't afford medicine. They can't put food on the table. And that needs to be a concern of the Greens as well. And it is not a concern for them because they are well off white middle-class people. Um, and that there are some great policies um, and some great policy writers um, in the party, but there are a lot of members that need to understand that it is a socially progressive party as well and there needs to be socially progressive policies and platforms that they actually pay attention to and that are important and id poll isn't necessary it's i hate even saying the phrase id poll all this kind of stuff is just about respect and being a decent human being as well it's not like there seems to be this conflation between I'm going off on a tangent, but that's just what I wanted to say about. Yeah, no. Yeah. I think that's pretty much right. I think you've summed up like the the politics of the, the Queensland Greens and yeah, the way we kind of differ quite well. Yeah. And that's what I enjoy. Like the Queensland Greens seems to understand that, that social policy and the environment can coexist as policies yeah. and it doesn't have to be one or the other thing. Yeah. It's, it's this acknowledgement as well that you can't take, um, environmentalism and, 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 and cut that out of the rest of the world and say, well, this is what we care about. This is, 
you know, everything is so deeply in interconnected and, and to say that we have an environmental crisis but we don't have, you know, an economic crisis, that we don't, you know, that, that, that there isn't a, um, that capitalism isn't really at the, the root cause of all of these crises that we have is, is really to not understand the problem. It demonstrates a intrinsic disconnect between policy and what what uh, the effects of, like you said, Paul, um, environmental catastrophe are and how that affects the economy and people's well-being and welfare. It demonstrates a real uh, out-of-touch, completely removed attitude from certain people, and that's demonstrated in the way that this, these types of crises um, in terms of um, campaigning and electioneering and that kind of stuff have been dealt with. I think it's very reflective of that. And you can see it reflected in Queensland and Victoria in terms of policy, in terms of the focus, and then that tied to the reaction um, and how the party handles it. I mean, should we talk about, I guess, I mean, that you've brought up this concept of idpol and, um, you know, maybe we should have have a bit of a discussion about things that look bad. Like when you take it, when you take a social media post out of context and it's got a slur in it or it's got a swear word in it, um, it's meant uh, ironically, but in isolation, it kind of, um, you know, in isolation, it looks really bad. You know, maybe we should be having a discussion about, you know, how can we stop these uh, we, how can we stop that discussion, I guess, about about um, progressive causes being one that's really only about these superficial, um, these superficial little things and actually make it a deeper conversation about, you know, what are the structural forces at play? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a very good question. Um, I don't know that I have an answer to, like, how we can do that, but it did, it did strike me during the whole Mean Girls Gate stuff was one of the things um, that did stick out to me was that they were trying to do this again. They were trying to uh, leverage allegations of sexism against the Greens because um, they see the Greens um, as having this kind of like holier than thou platform or the um, attitude. And so they were like, all right, we're just going to like short circuit things by saying, you know, they pretend to be so progressive, but they're the real sexists. Um, and I don't think it worked because we refused to play on those terms. Um, and I think that really like took the wind out of their sails. I'm not sure they knew what to do about it. Uh, but it does strike me like just how much the Greens are vulnerable to this kind of thing because of, I guess, you know, being the left wing force in Australian politics um, in a lot of contexts. Like I was watching Four Corners on Monday night and um, they had a, the whole expose on Christian Porter and like all of the very questionable stuff that he said publicly, um, like going back to when he was a student, like very, very, I would say like, yeah, actually offensive stuff, not, not a tweet that's been taken out of context, like things that point to views that are really not good. And none of that seemed to stick to him. Um, and I guess there's a broader conversation about why that is, but I would say, you know, one of the reasons would be that he's a liberal party politician, like, a conservative politician so in a way he's not expected to have like views about the basic decency of women um but yeah the greens in particular seem to be vulnerable to this and i think it's yeah part of that sort of um smug gotcha very bad faith deployment of a certain brand of identity politics um 
there was a thing a while back where the uh, the LNP member for Cleveland said something actually racist about Jackie Tread. Um, he called her Jihad Jackie in some context because yeah. um, yeah. she's of uh, Lebanese descent, which is that's that is, that is in fact fully fucking racist. Mm-hmm. Um, and like nothing happens to that guy because uh, he's an LNP member. I assume his base doesn't really give a shit. They probably like it. Yeah, it's hard to say. I I don't know how they think, but it's certainly the case that they are not vulnerable. They don't seem to be vulnerable to these attacks. Uh, oh, that said, Christian Porter is getting done now a bit, but it's a very different dynamic. Yeah, I think it's mainly because of his kind of behavior and the fact that he's AG. <laughs> like, <laughs> it gets to a certain tipping point. But I mean, before all of this stuff, none of the things he'd said, like his questionable things, had stuck to him. Yeah, and it's it's so annoying because these are the people that they say this questionable stuff and then they actually enact policies that back up the questionable yeah. comments. And yeah. whereas we we you know if we say something slightly dodgy, it doesn't actually affect in terms of uh, uh, cultural stereotyping or other horrible environment environmental creating cultural environmental creating things yes it does but their shit talking it's it's different it's it's completely different um it's really it's it's also about you know power imbalances and all of like who who really has the power in these conversations you know there's difference between someone saying some edgelord shit on twitter a couple of years ago and a liberal politician that actually means it isn't sorry when they apologize they're just sorry they got caught and then enacts this incredibly harmful um policy and you know yeah no i mean i think that's the whole thing that that kind of gets lost often in these outrage fests is that it doesn't like actually really matter that much what a volunteer or staffer or a low-level candidate says on social media. Like it doesn't impact anything. There are material policies out there um, being enacted by both major parties that are far, 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 far more harmful than anything that you could post. Um, But that just seems to get completely lost. Um, And I think, yeah, Paul, your, your question was about how we kind of refocus the conversation more on those kind of actual issues and less about less on the the kind of discourse and um the the outrage that flows around discourse and yeah I, I don't know um but I certainly think like the role of the media is important here in that you know like for most of what we're talking about here like in our own cases it's not really a story like there's no public interest in um people knowing about there's less and less and less, I think. Yeah. No, exactly. And like it and particularly like, you know, like Paul you mentioned, your posts were ironic. It's, they were obviously ironic. Anyone looking at them could tell they were ironic, given that you clearly are like a progressive guy who wouldn't post this kind of stuff with a straight face. Um and, you know, my stuff was taken so far out of context. Um where was I going with this? Oh yeah, but uh you know, it gets made into a story because, you know, the media has an active interest in creating stories where there aren't really stories and making mountains out of molehills and generating clicks and selling papers. Um, I think because the left inevitably has to 
have a moral element. Like, this is the kind of weakness this is exploiting, is that the left runs on, look, where the ultimately we're morally correct in a way that that's not really a strength in politics because it puts you in a position of lecturing people. Um, and it means that you kind of... That, that, that is a, a trap that the left has been stuck in for years, is being perceived as the ones who just tell you you're not allowed to do this, because um, that's kind of how morality works. Um, and yeah, but like also unavoidably, I think the, the left has to be able to say, well, yes, ultimately, we can't just run on personal interest. We can't get rid of that element of our politics. So we have to be able to say to people, like, yeah, we are making a moral claim, and that's actually good. And like, deep down, people generally do understand that there's a difference between right and wrong. Is it a moral claim, though? Is it about just not being a shit cunt? You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like, it's to me, a lot of the stuff that we talk about is, is say you're trying to explain it to an old person, say you're trying to explain pronouns or something. And you're like, well, okay, it's like back in the old days, if a, a woman wanted you to call them Ms or Miss or Mrs. There's no skin off your nose. You just do it because you're not an asshole. And to me, there's like, there's no, there's, there's, there shouldn't really, just because you want to be respectful of people and you want to be a good person doesn't mean you have to be virtuous. It doesn't mean you have to be, um, there is something to be said for, and I know a lot of people will groan at this, this dirtbag left stuff. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah, I, I agree completely. No one likes being yeah. scolded. No one likes all this carry on that's happening. And I do see it in term, for instance, in the US, the way that people deal with, you know, Trump or whatever. And the completely wrong way that the Democrats have dealt with that, with this, you know, uh, we go, they go low, we go high shit. Um, do you know what I, we don't, we don't have to be this way. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is it's getting, breaking it down from, instead of kind of being in your ivory tower and being like, oh, I'm, su I'm superior to you. You're kind of saying, no, this is, but you're still saying, look, like you are expected to treat other people with respect and so am I. Like, so you're not, like the right can just be amoral to some degree. The right can just kind of gleefully say like, doesn't matter. Uh, you know, like it's okay to be a dick. Um, and like, Do you think that's becoming that, less so but... though? Like, do you think that the walls are closing in on this type of behavior for the right? I don't know, maybe. I think one of Trump's strengths, and, and I don't know, this is about um, the exercise of power and where power is vested, especially in the media. Um, one of Trump's strengths was that he completely short-circuited that, that whole, um, I guess, surface-level civility stuff. Um, people thought he was um, a hero to them because he was because it was very clear that he had no filter. He said whatever he thought, and yeah, it was vile, and, and his, the thoughts behind it were vile, and the man is vile. Um, but he was, he was able to um, step outside, I guess, those 
that sort of um, dance that media and politics do together where there are, there are very agreed rules and you're supposed to be ashamed if you say this sort of thing and, you know, this is the way you're supposed to talk about an issue. And he, he didn't play that game and that's part of the reason he was such a huge success because people had no idea how to deal with that. Yeah. No, I totally agree. And I think, like, um, I've heard it referred to as, like, when you, when you refuse to play by, by this game, it, it kind of breaks a spell. Um, and I think that's a good way of putting it, like Trump completely broke that spell and obviously a lot of people responded to that. Um, I think the, the left has so far failed to do that from, you know, from an equivalent perspective, from more of it, like a, say a dirtbag perspective, we haven't been able to pull that off. And I think like one of the saddest things about the Sanders campaign is that this shit worked on, on them. Like they were accused of you know, the, oh, the whole Bernie bro stuff about how, you know, every single person who posts online in support of Bernie Sanders is a huge racist for reasons I still haven't quite been able to pass, but they fell for or it, Or a sexist because you don't like Hillary Clinton. Oh, yeah, of course, or a sexist. <laughs> um, very sexist of Bernie, actually, to run in the primary against Hillary. Like, what you know, way to silence a strong woman. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> they flinched um, and and Bernie, you know, was forced or he, you know, he uh, was in the position where he apologised and I think it all just went downhill from there. Um, I think we touched on this before, but, like, doing a public apology never works the way you think it will. Like it only ever adds fuel to the fire. Um, and yeah, like the first step I think in these kind of situations is like, do not apologize unless there's something to, you know, really apologize for. But I think in all of our cases, there wasn't really. Um, I did say some crappy stuff. Yeah. Um, but does that mean that you shouldn't be a candidate? You know, I guess there's a, there's a subtle difference there that doesn't often get pulled out. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. I think, also, just rewinding a little bit uh, to specifically um, irony, right? Like, and uh, satire, okay? So, I think part of the problem here is, is, is also fundamentally we have uh, media commentators and pundits, I hate that word, that don't actually understand what satire is. Um, we have people like Bill Leake or whatever when he was alive claiming that his cartoons were satirical. Um, friendly fucking Geordies, you know, being satirical or whatever. But then when people are actually being satirical or ironic, the press and the... Uh, more ridiculous political environment doesn't grasp it whatsoever, um, which I, I find kind of interesting. I don't know. Just thought I'd throw that out there. I think um, broadcast journalists and, and people, I guess, in the mainstream press have a really um, worrying attitude towards social media um, and do tend to kind of regard it as um, as this hateful little cauldron of of little people's um, sock puppets saying as many gross things as they can. Um, and there is that element there, but I think that that characterization of social media is actually also a bit of a characterization of how they, you know, how they perceive 
the punters in general, that whole idea that somebody can, anybody who's not a journalist can come out and say something, you know, get a couple of thousand retweets and be considered smart or having something worthy of saying. Like, I think that dismissive attitude is something that, um, you know, when when our posts are put, on, put in the media, um, that's background to that. That idea that look at this gross stuff that goes on on Twitter, and you know this is you don't want you want to listen to us. You want us to be the vehicle for you to get your news. Don't listen to everyday people. Yeah, it's because it's definitely a worldwide phenomenon, and like this idea of like the the toxic Twitter, it becomes very quickly just like the uh, just the stupid masses in general. Um, it seems as well, um, like one of the 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 Democratic Party is a very clear example of this. And one of the things I always think about is their insistence, their fixation on disinformation and their belief that, like, what got Trump elected is ultimately just, like, the fact that it's possible to lie on Facebook. Um, And the fantasy that, like, what did Hillary Clinton in was the Russians paying for ads on Facebook that had disinformation, which after sometimes was just like true information, like the primary actually was rigged against Bernie, like that actually did happen. Um, forget. Yeah. But then like, I think that it figures like um, Democrats, but also like Dee Madigan and like Van Badham here seem to quite genuinely believe that it's the social media space, which is real. And that's where it really happens. And so, like, the, the Joe Biden campaign, like, the Democrats this election got a much worse result than they expected, although they, like, just scraped in with a win. But part of that was because they didn't knock on any doors. Like, Joe Biden's campaign knocked on zero doors. Um, they didn't have a campaign on the ground. They tried to run this campaign solely in the realm of ideas and abstractions. And that's not just, like, a... That is, I think, genuinely what they believe is really going on, and that's what they think really matters. And so I think a lot of this stuff where they're, like, obsessed with kind of social media mistakes and bullying people around it, that's, that is, like, a a political decision as well. Like, in their world, that is the, the proper realm of politics. Yeah, it's the whole, I mean... It's uh, we we say it a lot in the South Brisbane, or just kind of a, in in the political um, current that that we're part of. Is online is not real life. Like, in fact, we've done an entire episode about posting um, and its relationship with politics. But yeah, I think you're right, Matt. In that, um, certainly the Demadigans of the world seem to consider online as real life, uh, and were maybe quite shocked when or surprised when this stuff didn't end up having a result, an impact on the election result. And, of course, it was very, very um, satisfying for me personally <laughs> to watch them all just losing their minds when um, when we won South Brisbane. Um, Congratulations, but, by the way. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's still, um, you know, basking in the glow. <laughs> I um, have snuck into that uh, cursed Facebook group that was the Labor Troll Farm. Uh, Common Sense Brigade? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and had a really good time watching everyone melt 
meltdown, but it's also extremely cursed. I would would not recommend. Um, I had a couple of friends who were in there and would just send screenshots of the best stuff, um, which I think was the the, the ideal approach because I didn't have to you know, sully myself by being in there, but I still got the good content delivered. No, you don't want that stain on your soul, Joe. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> um, it really seemed they had this very fervent belief that, um, I don't know, distributing memes in a targeted way, like they really – they really thought that they could make a huge difference in that seat. It seems like they didn't do jack shit. Not that I could tell. I mean, there was a um, a threat slash promise at one point that they were going to start printing out and letterboxing memes, which like the uh, memes are so bad. That's, I, I mean, that's any. amazing. Printing <laughs> out and letterboxing memes in and of itself is oh, an man. innovation in meme distribution that I can only support. I was just so keen for that to happen. The memes are so bad. What, like, I don't, I, I folks, I, I really don't understand. Am I missing something? <laughs> so, like, the thing I kept thinking about the memes is that probably about, like, five or six months ago, I was like, oh, like, guys, your candidate's name rhymes with Chad. And, you know, like, guys, the, how... <laughs> Do something. How, how hard is that? How hard is it to do the Virgin Amy versus the Jackie Chad? Like, that's, like, insanely easy. Like, I'm pretty sure I tweeted that, like, quite a long time ago. I'd, like, genuinely, it's like, how, how did you miss that one, guys? That's, that is really a, that says a lot about your meme-making capacities. I was talking with um, another, like, a friend who was also involved with the South Brisbane campaign um, last week, and we agreed that, the Common Sense Brigade stuff was actually incredible just for keeping us entertained for the last, like, two weeks of the campaign when, you know, your energy levels are flagging a bit um, and you're just, like, trying to sort of muscle through till the end and just getting occasionally these deliveries of the most unintentionally hilarious content um, really just kept us sort of laughing, kept our spirits high. So thank you, Common Sense Brigade. <laughs> it's shocking to me that, it, like... I felt so blackpilled after going into that group because we're ostensibly kind of supposed to be pushing for the same stuff, right? Uh, and I don't see Greens being this hateful and cooked and bad at the internet and it was just really disconcerting. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a symptom of a dying party in the end, like – I, I don't know about the well, federal Labor's not doing so well. Um, Victorian Labor's probably a bit different, but certainly Queen, the Queensland Labor Party is in serious trouble. Um, uh, the spitefulness um, is really a feature. I, I remember um, when I was working for Lydia, they had a, they had a um, page, some Labor campaigners had a page called has, something like, has Lydia Thorpe announced the Great Forest National Park yet? Or something like that. And, it, you know, I don't think it really caught up, um, didn't really take off. They didn't have many members or anything. So it just was a bit of a social club for these, you know, quite small collection of dudes um, of that kind of friendly Geordie's troll farm ilk. Um, and the thing that really struck me was how just mean it was. Like mean, not funny, like nothing that was really, you know, comical. It was just... Yeah, really yeah. hateful. Very hateful. Um, the other page, of course, that comes to mind is Left Renewal, 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 which... Um, I don't I, even... I 
Joe, I don't even understand what is happening anymore. I, yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I mean, that page is wild. And they, I've they're... followed it and I don't, I can't, I, I don't understand. <laughs> I, look, I don't either. I don't follow it, but I check on it occasionally because they have a real thing against Max, my partner. Like he, he doesn't, he's fairly sure he has never met the people who run that page, but they've somehow figured out who he is and they just post like for a while there, he was getting tagged and things like five to six times a day. Just like very personal stuff uh, that's not uh, like one of the posts was like accused saying that he lived in his mum's basement or something. And he's like, I sleep in a bed with my wife. Like, what is this? And they call him like rat boy um, and all this kind of like very weird personal stuff that doesn't have any basis in reality, but they're just going after him. Yeah, it's, it's almost unhinged. Like it is quite disturbing to look at. And I mean, this whole discussion needs to touch on the campaign culture in Labor, because this is also stuff that people in the ALP experience when they step out of line or they make themselves an enemy, um, is this real, um, real politic style, you know, whatever works, you know, and if this is going to, if this is going to make people quit the party, let's do it. You know, this is how you win, um, that sort of attitude. Mm. Um yeah and i'm not i'm not calling for everything to be touchy-feely blah 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 or whatever your interpretation is of that but it's just it's it brings to mind um the thick of it kind of shit, except less funny (laughs) yeah i mean i think like i sort of mentioned before i think it's a it's a symptom of the fact that they're a party in decline and they know it and um, they certainly in Queensland have now started to be outflanked from the left by the Greens in a very serious way and yeah. uh, that can't feel good. And if you have, if you're relying on people like Friendly Geordies to do your uh, youth campaigns or whatever the fuck that was supposed to be, you're in really big trouble because you've got he, you've got. I, I saw a clip this afternoon of him sitting around on on Nidoc Week making fun of um, the Japrong trees. Uh, oh, it was disgraceful. That was disgusting. And um, Dreamtime um, stories and this kind of stuff under the auspices of it perhaps being funny or something. I don't know who. It's not even. I don't even know where to start with these people. Like these, their presence in the media is about the same level as, you know, Joe Hildebrand or whatever these days. What are you trying to do? What are you trying to do? I don't, I don't understand what the strategy is here. They have a weirdly alt-right vibe. Yes. Like I was noticing Peppy's getting posted and it was just like, I don't understand how you've arrived in this place. Aren't you the Labour Party? I, like, also, if you're posting alt-right stuff, then what are, like, the young liberals posting? I know. How does it fit in with unionism and solidarity and all of this shit? Where is that? Like, what the what is this about? And I guess, because I think that they think that they're the dirtbag left and we're the woke liberals. Oh, that's such a depressing thought. And they think that... Yo, cause... you have to actually be funny for that. Sorry to tell yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, they think that we're all tree Tories. It was a very strange sight to see all of them saying after we'd won South Brisbane, like, oh, yeah, that was all the, the you know, the rich gentrifiers and the, um, 
yeah, the woke inner city um, liberals voting for you. And it's very like this, it just doesn't seem to correspond to anything on the ground. Have you been to West End? I don't even. <laughs> yeah, like we talked about this on our last, on our election wrap up show. But um, yeah, anyone who spent any time in South Brisbane knows that, um, yeah, there's a, there is a high population of um, young people who are, you know, culturally glossed as like trendy inner city lefties but they're all making like 30 grand a year of that you know <laughs> like and they're all renting um and just chronically um uh precariously employed um but that's not the real working class there's a definite identity crisis in this stuff like if if we're not left like if this is alp thinking like if we're not left wing if they're the left wing no no i mean that's why you see you know, people like um, Van Batten go so hard on the, oh, you know, the teal greens. Oh, you know, they're all they're all um, reformed liberals, and then turn around and talk about how they're going to campaign out in regional Queensland and convince all of the One Nation voters to vote for Labor. Like, there's there's a real identity crisis in that kind of thinking where it doesn't really connect with the reality of the situation at all. Um, yeah, that's exactly what it is. You're exactly right. Hey, it's them, like, and especially like young labor people just trying to work out, like, wait, like, what's our role? Like, we we want to get on this kind of young lefty, you know, dirtbag left chapo trap house sort of train. Um, we want to do that in young labor, but also labor is in fact manifestly the 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 centrist moderate party there's a party to the left of it so they just can't resolve that yeah yeah and it makes them angry i think um as we've seen uh and i'm conscious we're getting towards yeah, um, yeah. an hour and 20 minutes so we might um sort of wrap up soonish the only other thing yeah we haven't mentioned um jeremy corbyn yet although uh, this whole <gasps> sweet baby yeah, yeah. This whole conversation haunted by the the sweet, sad, precious ghost of Jeremy Corbyn, uh, Rip. Yeah, maybe one of the worst victims of um, yeah this kind of disingenuous bad. Oh, uh, some of the Twitter nonsense around that about uh, I'm not even yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's created the Corbyn thing has kind of created this situation where. How do you have? I mean, how do you have a serious conversation about? Um, left anti-Semitism that exists and is real and has a real effect on people mm. when the pond's being pissed in to such an extent that you you just you just can't you don't know you, you're not talking about reality anymore and and that just makes it impossible I guess that's what I kind of think is like you know I have some very distinct like anti-woke tendencies and then I'm think okay but you don't want to go too far with this stuff and then you just like actually just think it's cool to be racist again like you know to to kind of wrap up like it is clear that this stuff gets uh, weaponized and that one of the things that makes it possible to weaponize is when we see it as a, a problem of individual responsibility um and especially when we start thinking in these like class terms but when we actually think oh like the problem is that like the working class is too stupid and racist for their own good sort of stuff um but then yeah it, it is a thing like you know the like 
left anti-Semitism is actually real, although much less real than a lot of people make it out to be. Um, and yeah, like, I don't know, I guess just in my own mind, I'm like, have seen what happens when people go too far with this and they end up just voting for uh, Donald Trump and that's bad as well. Yeah, you, you want to have a real, you want to have a real conversation about this um, where you, where everybody's speaking with good faith and with the reasonable expectation that everybody else is going to take their words as they're intended and not twist them and um, it, it's not happening. It, 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 it can't happen in this climate um, and that's, that's a real issue for anyone who, who actually has an interest in um, you know, in any kind of political change. Well, on that depressing note. <laughs> oh, can I leave you with a more depressing note? I've got Are something sure? to read to you. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So I just wanted to finish up by reading you, um, and I don't know if you've heard of this before. Um, it's a motion put forth by Jeremy Corbyn in May of 2004, um, and it's called The Pigeon Bombs. Uh, and the text reads that this house is appalled but barely surprised at the revelations in M15 files regarding the bizarre and inhumane proposals to use pigeons as flying bombs, recognises the important and life-saving role of carrier pigeons in two world wars and wonders at the lack of gratitude towards these gentle creatures and believes that humans represent the most obscene, perverted, cruel, uncivilized and lethal species to ever inhabit the planet and looks forward to the day when the inevitable asteroid slams into the earth and wipes them out, thus giving nature the opportunity to start again. Jeremy Corbyn. Sweet angel. <laughs> that was actually read out in Parliament. That's incredible. <laughs> I had heard of this before, but I, did, I didn't know that the motion included um, a wish for an asteroid to wipe out mm. humanity. Yeah, just to recap a bit, like I think we know, we know this stuff is going to keep happening. Um, because we've seen it work, and so of the people doing it, um, they know they can get away with it, so they're going to keep trying to do to do it. We also know how to handle it, and I I think that is this is something that we have learnt, and I like something that the left has learnt in general because they've seen what happened to Sanders, and they've seen what happened to Corbyn, and they've seen what happened to you guys. We are at a point now where we can say, okay we did the wrong thing we gave ground to these people and we can't do that again that is the that is the kind of teachable moment here um and yeah. you know I, I am optimistic about that i hope that it's a teachable moment i hope that um yeah that that's what that's the message that ends up um getting through but i think like yeah maybe as my last comment what the response to amy's response to mean girls gate which was incredibly um supportive and people were really like chuffed to to see her like standing up for a volunteer and it was you know an incredibly successful uh, response in that it, it seemed to get a lot of people on side um yeah what that showed to me is that a lot of people really are just fed up with this kind of disingenuous bullshit like everyone knows that it's bad faith um that's the thing like you know you may not be able to say exactly why or pass the in pass it in detail but we all know it when we see it um and yeah i reckon i hope that's certainly among young people who are you know the future in politics um uh, the tide is turning a bit with this stuff and i hope to see less and less of it in future 
but yeah, I think we might be done. So yeah. um, I want to thank Joe and Paul for coming on the show. Um, Joe, I mentioned at the top of the show you have another podcast. Um, where can we find it if we want to listen to more of your stuff? Yeah, it's um, called Chronically Fully Sick. Um, I have a chronic uh, health condition and I do that podcast with um, a friend of mine and journalist Chloe Sargent. Um, and you can find it pretty much anywhere you get podcasts. Uh, and we just try and have a laugh and play a lot of bad sound effects and talk about the effect that chronic pain and illnesses have on our lives and other people's. Nice. Okay. Um, well, thanks again. And um, we will hopefully, yeah. Not um, see us in the paper. Not, I was going to, yeah, trying to find a way of being like, hopefully we'll all be low profile from now on. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Cheers. Okay. Thanks, bye. Guys. Bye.